So as the product owners, they're sitting there saying, what do we do about that? We have revenue targets, we have commercial targets, we have business strategies, and the job is falling squarely on the shoulders of product management, brand managers, product line owners to come up with solutions and answers. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development as businesses aim for long-term success. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sofion CTO. If you're looking for additional information around new product development or corporate innovation, sign up for Sofian's newsletter where we share news and industry best practices monthly. The fastest way to do this is to go to sofian.com that's S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com and click the sign up and stay informed box. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Glad you could join us today. Hope you're all doing well. I'd like today to talk about some of the more recent challenges that product organizations are having. Specifically, we'll focus on the results of the global microprocessor shortage. Let's talk about General Motors for a moment. In March, I believe it was, of this year, they made an announcement that they were going to have to reduce the fuel control system on some of their vehicles. And they clearly attributed that to the global microprocessor shortage. And more recently, they said that they're going to stop including the what's called the start-stop system on their trucks, SUVs, and, and light-duty trucks. For those of you who don't know what that is, when you stop a vehicle at a light, the start-stop system will turn off the engine and put it into an idle mode. And then when you take your foot off the brake because you're ready to go again, it will start the engine automatically. And it does this seamlessly. The driver doesn't have to do anything. And as you might expect, it delivers improved fuel economy. So General Motors is looking at its challenge with microprocessors and is realizing that somewhere something has to be reduced because they can't get enough. And they chose to reduce it in those two areas, which is kind of interesting. The trucks and SUVs is probably the strongest product line of a company like General Motors, at least in North America. And the buyers of those particular products are probably less inclined to be upset of a loss of one or two or three miles per gallon of fuel economy. And so General Motors decided to introduce this change in those vehicles, probably the biggest scale, the biggest impact, because that's the most reduction in need for microprocessors. It's the, your highest product line, your most volume, and an area that doesn't really impact the, the drivability and the consumer sentiment of the vehicles to any great degree. Had they done it maybe in a different part of their product line, which is their economy vehicles, First of all, the buyers would be more upset because one of the buying criteria is fuel economy, and it may not have as many vehicles in the product line, so the impact might be less. So this is a decision that General Motors had made that is a product management and a product line and a brand decision altogether, but it was caused by a supply chain issue, and we'll talk about that in a minute. If... General Motors was facing a problem with something like their infotainment system, and maybe they will in the future, that would be very different, right? That's a very in-your-face, 
consumer-oriented feature that would affect the satisfaction of the drivers of the vehicles. So fortunately for the moment, General Motors found uh, a, a solution in the area that they did. And so in General Motors, the brands, the product line owners are sitting there having to say which vehicles do we maybe need to think about taking a vehicle out of the market? They may have thought about that. I don't know. Uh, you look at what Ford did years ago. It rebalanced the entire product line by saying we're not going to make passenger vehicles anymore. I think with the exception of the Ford Mustang and maybe one other. But that was a planned decision. Now we see companies like General Motors having to deal with unplanned decisions. And it's not just a product problem. For General Motors, it is a huge manufacturing problem. Already, they've probably had to idle plants because they can't get the components in that they need to finish the production. They probably have plants with half-built vehicles in them. And now these decisions are made. This is what we're going to do. And these manufacturing plants have to figure out how they're going to absorb and change based on a result of that. And at the same time, it couldn't happen at a worse time for General Motors because there is a huge demand for vehicles right now. Coming out of COVID-19 when people weren't buying vehicles because they didn't want to go to a showroom, didn't want to have to interact with the salespeople and the, in the buying process, uh, they didn't want to test drive a vehicle that might not be clean, maybe dealerships were closed. And so now it's very different. Everything's open. Everybody's ready to buy. Everybody's got their checkbook out and we can't get the vehicles. I was in a automotive showroom the other day. I was bringing my car in for service and I looked in the showroom and it was completely empty, not a single vehicle in there. And outside on the lot, there were very few vehicles. I like to look around when I bring my car in and maybe look at other vehicles. I couldn't do that this time. And I asked the service manager, what's up? And he said, we just can't get them. Every vehicle that comes in is already sold. And we just can't, we don't have any extras. There's none to keep around. And when I asked him why, he, he said his view was, you know, first we had a strike, which I didn't know about. Then we had COVID-19. Now we have the microprocessors. And it's just been a continuing thing for us. So not really that new at this particular dealership, even though I maybe wasn't aware of the strike. And so is this a temporary problem? Yeah, everybody's talking about the microprocessor shortage, and it might take a long time to get over it. You hear predictions of one, two, three years. It's not going to be an instant fix. But is that the end of it? I don't think so. We had COVID-19. We have the global microprocessor shortage. We had a Suez Canal. Okay, we got through that, but that, that had impact on products out there. And in, in America, in Los Angeles, the, the ports are completely overloaded. So there are lots and lots of container ships trying to get in. There's not enough dock workers to bring those ships in. So they're all floating out in, at sea waiting to come in. And lots and lots of goods on those ships are not only goods that we would buy as consumers, but there are components and parts and pieces that manufacturers need to put in their products. And so it's another shortage in a different way. And if there's a ship out there that maybe makes a, a two-week or a monthly cycle back and forth from 
a country in Asia to the port of Los Angeles and then goes back and picks up more and brings it back, if that ship isn't going back to pick up the next round from that port in Asia, there might be a whole ship that a shipment that just doesn't happen. And as we all know from the Suez Canal, these are big boats with lots of containers on them. So what I think is we're moving into a continuum of volatility and we're going to need new systems and new methodologies to cope with it. And as I said, it's not just about automotive. I've talked to executives and product managers in other industries and they've told me in many cases they are working on what to do about products that they already went through the development process. They already made the decision to launch and they, they, they gave them the manufacturing and they now can't develop them, can't manufacture them and can't deliver them until 2022 or sometimes even 2023, according their, to their projections. So as the product owners, they're sitting there saying, well, what do we do about that? We have revenue targets, we have commercial targets, we have business strategies, and the job is falling squarely on the shoulders of product management, brand managers, product line owners to come up with solutions and answers. And the success is going to be in those who can make this a cross-functional collaborative challenge, bring together product supply chain, manufacturing, in working sessions. There are probably endless spreadsheet and what-if exercises going on, but those companies who can cross the organizational boundaries and the hierarchical boundaries are going to be much more successful at solving this problem. In some of the companies I've talked to now, we see product owners talking directly to C-level executives in meetings. That was unheard of in the past. There were hierarchies, there was a chain of command, and the successful companies are breaking that down very quickly to try to find and, and get very creative and, and create the solutions that they need to be reactive. And the winners of tomorrow are the ones who are going to figure out, they're figuring it out right now of how they're going to operate in this new dynamic. And they're going to be used to and almost accept the speed, impact, and scale of disruptions. And they're going to handle those disruptions very well. So in order to do that, they need new processes. They need new systems. They need new lines of communication. They need tools. They need software systems. Uh, they need It's a complete reinvention of how to be much more nimble and dynamic. We used the word agility in the past, and we talked about organizations having to be more agile, not the software development agile, but more flexible and reactive. And now it just seems to me that that has ratcheted up to a number 10 on the, on the scale, scale of 0 to 10, or maybe it's an 11 for some of you. But we are facing it quicker and much more often. And I just see that continuing. I think the global pace of technology is moving so fast and we've got the disruptors out there, but we've got many, many, many other influences that are happening, especially as demand returns from COVID-19, which is putting stress across all aspects of supply chain. 
And so that's our challenge, all of us in this space of innovation and new product development. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting to find the solutions and, and together work through our ecosystems and solve this problem. I look forward to it. And if anybody wants to talk further about it, please reach out. I'd love to engage in conversations about this, hear what you're doing, hear the challenges you're facing. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to talking to you next time. Have a great week, everybody. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.